We talk about autism a lot, but the truth of the matter is, most of us are dealing with other pressures, stressors, and relationship conflicts that often enhance an already challenging situation. Today, we discuss what some of these challenges have been for our family and share the lessons we've learned along the way. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. Hey, everyone. I like the intro where, where you say we talk about autism a lot. We like, do on an autism like all, podcast. We'll just say that's like all we talk about. Like that, <laughs> that's literally safe, our thing. Safe to say. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but I wanted to mention that because although autism is obviously a very important, critical, crucial part of our lives, especially, you know, my own even as an autistic adult. I also want to acknowledge that there are other things outside of autism that can contribute to stress in our life that then can ultimately impact our parenting style or can impact our ability to parent efficiently. So it's not always related specifically to autism itself. It's not necessarily always the meltdowns or the appointments or the respite care or any of that. Sometimes it's just other personal things happening in life. That's true. It's kind of like a, a Jenga tower. You like pull a peg, not intentionally, but then it like kind of falls or like shifts. And so life is the Jenga tower. That is horrible. So. That's so like anxiety provoking, like to well, like, equate life to a game of Jenga. So like <laughs> any little false move you make can basically destroy you. That is, that's horrible. Why would you say that? <laughs> I just, I mean, I was thinking of like, well, maybe I'm thinking of it like in the reverse, maybe like stacking them, not necessarily (laughs) reverse Jenga. (laughs) Yes, because I'm like, well, each thing is like, I don't know, not the tower's not going to fall. Okay, scrap that. (laughs) No worries. So, um, for those of you who are listening, I'm not sure how many of you are subscribed to our newsletter. Um, If you're not, you can always go to autismwish.org, scroll to the bottom of the page, enter your email, and you will be subscribed. We had recently sent out an email and then we did a short little video update that I posted to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Autism Wish. And the reason I mentioned that is because there has been some turbulence in our life. And I do feel like the stress of our external factors in our lives has contributed to our ability or my ability to parent as effectively as I possibly can. For those of you who didn't listen to that video or didn't catch that email, unfortunately, I'm sure you guys who are tuned into the news have heard that there's been a ton of tech layoffs due to the current economic conditions. And so a ton of tech industries have been doing mass layoffs by the 10,000s. I think the last report I saw said there was so far, I think, about 100,000 people already laid off in the tech industry, maybe more by now because that was an old report. But I work in the tech industry, and unfortunately, you may have noticed that last Friday we did not have our regularly scheduled live cast, and that was because 
that Friday, I found out that I was personally impacted by the tech layoffs. And so since that Friday, I no longer have a job, which has contributed to tremendous amount of stress for us. So we wanted to talk a little bit about how that sort of stress can impact a family, uh, particularly when you are raising autistic kids. And I also just wanted to put a hopeful little plug. Uh, if anybody out there listening happens to know of a full-time remote UX position, user experience, I'm your gal. Let me know. Send me an email, podcast at autismwish.org. I am open for work. <laughs> Now, over the next 20 minutes, you're going to read line by line your resume. (laughs) Yeah, that's the rest of the episode. No. (laughs) Um, But I also wanted to share that because due to that, we have been basically struggling financially. And one of the things that I had read previously when I started our journey in um, the world of autism was how families were usually impacted by an autism diagnosis. And one of the primary reasons that parents essentially were not able to kind of survive that in terms of like their marriage didn't survive or perhaps one parent abandoned the child or something like that, one of those primary reasons was financial. And it was because raising autistic kids in general adds about, they. I think the statistic was like $60,000 a year per child in terms of extra finances that are required to care for that child. So that'll include, you know, the therapies. It'll include any special equipment that they might need. It might include respite care. It might include all sorts of extras that people raising neurotypical children don't have to worry about. That is why I thought this was relevant because we are essentially getting hit on a financial end just in a different way. But after losing basically our primary source of income, now we are very much so in a very stressful situation where we are trying to figure out like, how do we, how do we keep a roof over our kids' heads? How do we continue their therapies? We just recently just now got approved for therapy that we've been waiting for for four months and we just got approved. And then we're like, oh no, I just lost my job. Are we going to be able to keep this therapy or are we going to have to go back on a wait list? And I don't know about you, Matt, but for me, that is quite stressful. (laughs) Well, I'm just thinking mostly because like uh, the paperwork that's associated with getting the ball rolling, even just to get on the wait list. So if we have to go back to, I guess, resubmitting paperwork to insurances to hopefully get cleared to then jump back on a wait list. I mean, I feel like that's probably the most like time consuming component. I mean, you do. I mean. You do the majority of the I paperwork. Was about to say, so I, mean, right. <laughs> I do but that I, paperwork. But, it wouldn't impact you at all. <laughs> well, I mean, I have I have the the difficult job of watching you suffer. And it's <laughs> that it's suffering so is probably well, it's probably worse than your suffering because I have to watch a person I love suffer. And it's sometimes what? more than I can bear. I just try to look away. Oh <laughs> I'm my just kidding. gosh, you're so cruel. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you. And I appreciate you filling out the, all the paperwork for all this um, medical stuff because, yeah, that's your medical background that you like to use. Yeah, it's just called being <laughs> a mom. But yeah, we we basically have been now really having to kind of reflect about our parenting. For me specifically, when I am in high stress situations, I get into a lot of like this like anxiety overload, basically, where it just I kind of shut down. I tend to just want to like just stop everything. So anything that I was working on, anything that I was trying to do, I just kind of want to like put the brakes and just go in my room and just kind of 
process what's happening. And then after that, I tend to do the opposite and get into like hyper fix mode where I'm like, okay, what can I fix? And I think part of the stress that's happened in, as a result of the job loss is I have been basically hyper fixated on wanting to fix the situation, wanting to find a job, wanting to be able to regain my income so that I can continue to support my kids and my family and their therapies. And as a result, I'm very aware that that means that I am not able to spend as much time with my kids. And I feel like part of the consequence of that is I feel like I'm not able to cuddle with them as much. I'm not able to be kind of like the happy, jolly parent that they're used to getting. And I try very hard to consciously make the effort to do that. But when you're going through something huge, like potentially losing your home in a state where you know nobody, it can be very, very stressful. Kind of twofold. Like you obviously don't want it to impact the kids. I mean, they're young. Most of this is over their heads anyway. But as far as change in attitude, change of routine, change of just general lifestyle that we've built up kind of the level of normal uh, normalcy, we try not to want to rock the boat too much. We want to try and keep things as normal as possible for what they're expecting. So that is a little bit kind of of a challenge too, because you're kind of trying to trying to figure out, okay, what do we actually do um, as far as like uh, applying for additional jobs, um, as far as trying to tighten finances, is trying to restructure a little bit. But at the same time, you don't necessarily want to start pulling therapies left and right where that your kid is just going to kind of shut down basically because there's no routine or structure. So you want to try and maintain as much composure and structure in their lives as possible. So that's kind of the juggling act where you're like, okay, what can we keep? What can we focus? What can we remove that won't have such a devastating impact? So it's kind of, it's an interesting um, battle for sure. Just trying to see what is something that we can put to the side for now and pick up later. And then what are things that we have to keep progressing through? So it's definitely a challenging state of mind and just making sure that our outward appearance is appropriate, normal, Uh, Our kids don't feel scared or unsure about things mostly. So I think for me, that's kind of the big thing where it's kind of like, I don't want to have discussions around them where they can sense that we're stressed out or that we're upset because it might trigger something where they start having anxiety and they're not really sure about what. Yeah, I think part of the insecurity or instability that happens when you're in a situation like ours where finances are struggling, you don't really know what's going to happen now that you don't have a paycheck. It's really having to find a way to continue to give our kids the comforts that they're used to. And I don't mean like luxurious comforts. I mean, like autistic kids tend to have certain specific rigidities. So there's certain expectations and comforts that come with that. So for example, if we have a routine of a specific meal type, or we have like a routine of taking a a specific path or way of doing something, we can't necessarily do that now. Like for instance, we're used to taking our kids for a little drive for like scenic stuff, bringing them to parks and such. But now since I've lost my job, we're having to scale back because 
we can't afford basically burning that gas unless it's going to be something productive. So that has impacted our ability to take our girls out. And that's a disruption of routine. There's also things like their food choices, like there's very specific meal types and things that they will eat. And we are having to basically prioritize what they eat above ourselves, which I'm I'm happy to do, but it is adding to that stress because now we have to basically just make sure that our, our budget is balanced in such a way that we can still get them their preferred foods because we know if we don't get those for them, they will not eat. Whereas like, I'm happy to suffer through whatever or not eat if I don't like it because I'm picky, <laughs> but at least like my kids will be fed. So that's another thing that has kind of been weighing on us that has caused a lot of that stress since this layoff. Now, let's be honest. How many Costco hot dogs have we had this week? <laughs> we have eaten a disgusting amount of Costco hot dogs. They're and it is so because <laughs> they are dirt cheap. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll have to pay the consequences of like some sort of cardiological issue in the future, I am sure. But for now, they're incredibly cheap. So, yes, we are living on hot dogs right now. We are we're that poor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's one of the things that has really been top of mind for us. There are some things that we've chosen to do, though, in order to try to make this transition as easy as possible for us. And some things that I've kind of learned along the way, along the way, meaning just a few days. But honestly, I'm the type of person that kind of mourns a loss for like one day maybe two. And then after that, I just, it's, there's like a switch that flips and I'm in production mode. I'm in like fix it mode. And I'm sure Matt, you could attest to that. Cause like day one of like my job loss, I was a total mess. And then day two, I'm like, I've already applied to a hundred jobs. <laughs> yeah. Day one was kind of like poking you with a stick being like, you okay. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> day two was kind of you laughing and kind of back to normal, but kind of like, I lost my job. Like, <laughs> like that meme of the dog who's like sipping the coffee and everything's on fire. And he's like, everything's fine. Right. So yeah, like we've had people like check in and they're like, how's she doing? And I'm like, I, I think she's okay. Like, I mean, I, I <laughs> you're like, she's cleaning an awful lot. I'm I'll, not sure what to make of that. <laughs> I just, I just text back. I'll send you a video later. <laughs> I'm the type of person that when I'm hit with like tragedy or something that's really hard, usually I will basically allow myself that period to grieve. Just like when we found out about our kid's autism diagnosis, we allowed ourselves a, a period, a moment to reflect and grieve because that is just part of that psychological healing process. Like that is okay. That is even necessary or essential. So I have no problem with allowing myself the time to do that. But I always want to kind of kick that can and then start fresh the next day if I can or a couple days, however long it takes. But I focus more on the turnaround because I like to try to see what I can do to improve the situation. And once I do that, it kind of switches my mindset so that I am now able to kind of be a better parent for my kids. It, it kind of switches that psychological viewpoint where I'm no longer fixated on the doom and gloom. And so that frees my mental and emotional energy up to be able to then effectively parent my kids or be there for my kids or be at least happy enough around them that they can enjoy my presence and I can enjoy their presence. I mean, we talked about, I mean, as far as like the job and I mean that, I mean, and that is a major stressor, but I mean, there are many other stressors that people contend with. I mean, even before this, like we've had kind of a rough relationship with some members of my family where 
we really aren't on speaking terms. And it's unfortunate because it pulls away from what our girls could have had as far as like a relationship with family members. Those things are other stressors where we kind of shake our heads at the end of the day. We kind of hope that things would get better. And I'm not really, I'm not really sure if that's much of a stressor on your end, Leah, but I was just kind of thinking of that in the back of my mind as well. No, it totally is because I feel like that always impacts our kids. I'm always looking at things through the lens of how will this supposedly or seemingly external stress ultimately impact my kids? And that's the thing. Every time we talk about like relationship stressors or external stressors, maybe at work or maybe if you're in school or wherever you may be, if you're volunteering somewhere and there's somebody or something there that's stressing you out, the ultimate effect of that is that it will trickle down at some point to your family life. At some point, you're bringing that home whether you want to or not. At some point, your kid is going to be impacted by it whether you want to or not. I have to often make a very conscious decision to try to kind of push that to the back of my mind when I'm around my kids and make sure that I am like aware and available and focused when I'm with them. Now that it's been a couple of days, it's been exactly one week at this point, I have had enough time to basically kind of readjust my thinking and prioritize my kids. And so what I'm trying to do is spin things that are seemingly overwhelmingly negative and view them as an opportunity. I have seen this instead as an opportunity to spend more time with my kids. So I have been able to do more arts and activities with them. I've been able to take them out to the yard. Today, I was able to take them out to play in the rain, not once, but twice. We got a really nice, gentle rain, which is perfect for outdoor play. We've been doing some crazy crafts that like we made like a wind chime that we did with them um, and a whole bunch of like things that when I'm working a full-time job, I just don't have time to do with them. So in a sense, that part of it has been a little bit of a blessing because I have been able to do these things with them that I don't otherwise have the time to do. I've also been able to take advantage of the situation to focus more on like self-care. I've been able to watch a little bit more of what I want to do. I will say I'm kind of bad at self-care even with the break because I'm focusing a lot on the job search. I should probably relax more. (laughs) But I'm definitely noticing that the more I relax, the more I try to chill and be optimistic about the situation, the calmer my kids feel, the happier they are. And at this point, my aim is to make sure that my kids don't panic and they don't feel like they're stressed and overwhelmed. Like I want my kids to feel secure and feel like they are okay and that everything's going to be okay. So that's why to me it's important that When we are experiencing exterior life stressors, that we try to shield our kids from those as best as possible so that they don't have to struggle like we're struggling. Try and maintain as much normal routine and the life that they know as best as possible. I mean, obviously, some things have to kind of be sacrificed or you might have to do things a little bit different. But yeah, our goal is in the future, them to not even know that this was even a thing. Continue as normal and hopefully down the road we can kind of get back to where we were and then kind of just go from there. Well, we kind of botched that one by recording an episode on it, didn't we? (laughs) Well, hopefully it'll fade into the background because there's like, what, 101 other episodes that they can (laughs) watch. Well, this one's called Parenting Through the Chaos. I'm sure when they grow up, they'll be like, hmm, I wonder what that was about. (laughs) And then they'll make bets. Hey, I bet it was about you. No, it was about you, (laughs) Lou. 
That's true. So yeah, I think that when it comes to parenting through the chaos, oftentimes it's just a matter of like resiliency and being able to work through your own emotions and deal with the conflict that you're dealing with without necessarily allowing yourself to project that onto your kids or to at least attempt to shield them from not necessarily the situation. Like maybe it is relevant to them. Maybe they do need to know because you have to prep them for whatever might be coming ahead, but to shield them from like the emotion behind that. If you project confidence, if you project security, your child will feel that. If you project anxiety, if you project fear, your child will feel that. So for me, it's always important to be that rock in their life, despite the fact that all this chaos is happening around me, and just be that beacon of hope for them because they need that. As a parent, it's my job to provide them with that hope, even if in that particular situation, I might not necessarily feel that hope myself. I still want to give them that hope because I think as children, they're innocent and they they have a hard time processing big emotions and big issues. And it's not their responsibility to worry about that. That's our responsibility as a parent to worry about that. What this has kind of taught me a little bit is during good times, you kind of go, I mean, not not you personally, us, family, everyone, we kind of go on autopilot where we're just kind of coasting through, oh, okay, times are good. We don't really have to worry about X, Y, and Z because they're not a problem. But then when we're faced with a very big, serious problem, it kind of forces us, okay, we kind of have to get our hands dirty. Okay, now we have to be very intentional about what we're doing. We basically have to roll up our sleeves and kind of get to work because now hard times are on the horizon. So you have to push through the hard times to try and get back to a more peaceful state of ease, essentially. So right now we've kind of hit the wall a little bit. So now we're kind of pushing through hard times, trying to get to something a little bit more peaceful. So now it's kind of like, okay, now we have to be very intentional about everything that we're doing as far as budgeting. We're not wasting money on things that we don't need. We're kind of pushing that off until another time when we can kind of pick it up. So, I mean, like we have house repairs that we we have to make in the meantime, that has to kind of be put on hold and we'll, cause we, we had people as far as like contractors coming in, giving us quotes for different things to fix. And I mean, right now we're kind of like, okay, our house hopefully won't fall down tomorrow. We'll put that on hold <laughs> and we'll revisit that when uh, things are a little bit easier. But right now, obviously we have something else that we have to contend with before we can even consider about trying to pay contractors to try and fix different parts of our house that definitely, I would say definitely need to be addressed. But um, uh, yeah, there's literally water flooding into our house and we had to do like a fun little um, like epoxy glue job around it just to hold the water from coming out. So we have an entire area of our house that's basically slowly molding and the wood is falling apart, but we don't have the money to fix it. So that's what it's going to be. And honestly, right now, we're just focusing on being able to scrape up enough money to pay our mortgage so that we don't lose our home. So like that is not a priority. <laughs> the first time I think uh, that we heard it, you're like, anytime it was raining, the walls would cry because the water yeah. would be... <laughs> yes, it did. It's like, is the faucet on? <laughs> yeah, no, we, we found it. And it was just the, the wall was crying because it was sad. It's like the horror movies where the walls are like right. bleeding, but instead of blood, it's water. <laughs> right. So we will fix that at another day, but hopefully uh, we will. Assuming we can keep the house. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Otherwise, it's someone else's problem. That's been like one of the things that we've learned. The other thing that I have learned is 
for us specifically in our relationship, like typically when there's financial matters or like a point of stress in your life, that can usually do one of two things with your relationship. And we mentioned this again at at the very beginning of our podcast with the autism diagnosis. It can either bring you together as a couple or it can break your marriage. And oftentimes that's what an autism diagnosis does is it breaks that marriage. But finances is the same thing. And so are other serious struggles that families go through. And so a moment like this puts a lot of pressure and strain on your relationship. And so it could have basically fractured us. It could have basically pulled us apart. But instead, we tend to come together when these moments happen. I honestly think like with our relationship, I feel like we do best when there's like high stress situations. We kind of like just put all of our grievances aside and then we just decide to be there for each other. Right. We're not having a I don't want to say fight. We rarely ever fight. We usually like have like a miscommunication or a misunderstanding. But like given the seriousness of things, it's kind of like, well, misunderstanding like, oh, when you run to the store, can you get this? There's more serious things than me forgetting something at the store. Are you trying to say that an autistic and an ADHD dyslexic could possibly have communication issues? I'm just saying that is probably one of our biggest uh, things we're contending with outside of this, of course. But no, I mean, obviously, I feel like when serious matters at hand, we do a pretty good job of focusing our efforts to try and resolve that. And it also is helpful that we're both on the same page financially. It's not like I'm upset because I want like a spa day or something like. Fine, you can have your spa day. (laughs) I know you've just been dying for those cucumbers on your eyes. I know, I know you don't want them pickled. Just the robes, (laughs) the robes. Uh, But yeah, it's like we're basically on the same page. So it's like when we say like, oh, we definitely we have to cut things. It's kind of like, okay, we're both finding ways to cut. Not like, oh, you cut things and I'm just going to keep doing this kind of on my own time. It's like, no, we both pretty much sacrificed. Hence the Costco hot dogs. The Costco hot dogs. I know we're both eating Costco dogs. I don't even like hot dogs. That's what I had for lunch today. I'm not even kidding. That's what I've had for lunch for about the last three days in a row. So yeah, if we don't end up in trouble over lack of housing, it will be due to lack of health. health. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll be the next episode. <laughs> Right. How to take care of your health on a budget. (laughs) So, yeah, it's important to also reflect on things outside of just raising your child and the autism, because I know like for us, it's very easy to get kind of wrapped up in the world of autism. I mean, aside from the autism podcast and autism wish, just as a parent, especially initially when you're first learning about the diagnosis, but as you progress into parenting a child who's autistic, you often get very focused on everything around autism. So like when you can go out, where you can go out, what you can do, what you can eat, all these things that are limited due to your child's autism. That is typically what is base level stress for us. And sometimes because of that, You get caught off guard when these bigger stressors happen, and then you're like ill-prepared. You didn't think or remember that there could be other things that are more significant that could always add on. So like if you think you're at like your peak stress level, it's possible it can get worse. And I'm not saying that to be like a negative Nancy, but it's just true. We have to prepare ourselves emotionally and build a way to become more resilient because 
if there's one guarantee in life is that something bad will happen at some point in time. We know that. That is an absolute guarantee. So it's best to start thinking about what would you do in that situation and like what is the backup plan if something like that were to happen? Plan for a rainy day. Literally, that's what we did today. Actually, that is a great metaphor because it's like the metaphor of dancing in the rain. It's like making lemon. I was going to say making lemons out of lemonade. (laughs) Hey, actually, for our girls, that works because they prefer the lemons. But it's like, yeah, dancing in the rain. Learning to dance in the rain is a a saying that basically is about being able to see the good and the bad or being able to find the joy in something that would normally bum you out. So if you get rained out, that's usually a, a bummer, like you had plans. But if you learn to dance in the rain, you learn to embrace that problem and find something new and beautiful within that problem, then you can basically either explore new options or you can just make good out of something that was initially difficult. That's what we're trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to find the positive and all the good things that I am gaining from having lost my job, which includes things like being able to spend more time with my kids. Well, you've heard it here, folks. Leah's best advice is dance in the rain and have some lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so before we um, wrap up, I did want to just put it out there. So I did put in the newsletter um, that because of our current financial situation, if you didn't see our video, didn't read our newsletter, we are really, really scrapped financially right now. And because we are focusing on the basic necessities of like food, shelter, and just like those things for our kids right now. The other things that are less important will not take precedent. And unfortunately, that means certain aspects of Autism Wish and the Embracing Autism podcast. What that means is essentially I still plan on and we still intend on continuously having these live streams. We will still do these. If there is like a day where maybe we're having like an emotional moment because we still haven't been able to get on our feet financially or something like that, I might stick in an IRL episode like we did last week and just take a break because sometimes I need that self-care to recover. That's not the plan, but just in case... You'll know why it happens if there's an unexpected IRL episode. The other thing to note is because we're having to scale back financially, that means that I'm going to have to start pulling the plug on some of the services and things that I use to run Autism Wish just because I don't have the funding for it right now. There's a lot of things associated with like the gifting events that we do um, and the services that we provide. Be on the lookout for our newsletter for updates and information on that again autismwish.org. Scroll to the bottom of the page, enter your email, follow us on Autism Wish um, at Facebook and on Instagram. It's at Autism Wish, and I will post any updates there, but we will have to scale back on our gifting events. Some of that stuff is still in the balance. We don't really know what's going to happen until we get closer to the date, but we unfortunately are are not going to be able to float some of this stuff this year because it's primarily been funded out of pocket for us. And so that's something that we're going to have to scale back. If you feel like you are in a spot in life where you're capable, able, or willing to give to help support our mission, then please consider making a donation to us. You can do so by sending a donation via Cash App. That is dollar sign at Autism Wish. Or you can also use Venmo, and that is Autism Wish. And all the donations that you make through there will be used specifically to help us just cover these basic productivity expenses for Autism Wish. So we're basically just trying to keep Autism Wish afloat. Um, so if 
you would like to help us with that, even $1 from as many listeners as we have out there, $1 from each of you would essentially cover all our costs for basically the rest of the year. So if you could just take a moment to consider whether or not you think you can make that $1 donation, again, it's cash app at dollar sign autism wish or Venmo autism wish, and that would help us a lot. So I would really appreciate that. We run autism wish at a deficit every year. We throw in X amount of money to keep servers, equipment, everything up and running. Any funds that we receive for Autism Wish goes back into the program to keep servers, uh, websites, and everything hosted for the continuous years and going forward. It's not like we're taking funds and putting in our pocket. I mean, Lee and I are perfectly happy eating our <laughs> our Costco hot dogs. I mean, it's it's we're not doing this for money purposes. We're doing this to help kind of the community, other parents, kind of our whole mission as far as supporting each other, trying to provide any tips or anything. So, I mean, it's the funding is not for us. It's for, I mean, helping you guys, uh, helping trying to get the message going to try and grow the channel, to try and find more people that need support who didn't know that Autism Wish um, or Embracing Autism was even a thing to kind of give them a community that they can feel that they belong in. That's what we're aiming for, just to try and make a difference in someone else's life. And you guys do make an amazing impact. You guys listening out there, I don't know if you've realized, but if you go right now, you go to Apple Podcasts, just type in the word autism, and our podcast is the number two podcast out of all podcasts on Apple Podcasts that are about autism, ours is ranked number two. We couldn't have done that without you guys and your support. So if you're able to continue that support, we would really appreciate it. Thank you all. Um, that's all we really have for you today. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, Embracers. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. This has been the audio from the Embracing Autism podcast live stream series. Please check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at Autism Wish to catch these shows live. Otherwise, stick around next week for our next episode. This is Embracing Autism.